Today's show brought to you in part by our friends over at BetMakers. You'll see Dallas later in the show. He's become a regular and a well-regarded one, bringing all kinds of institutional knowledge about the world of gambling from his time in the game. As we've talked about and we'll talk about later in the show, Fixed Odds Betting, powered by BetMakers, is back and in effect at Monmouth. Early returns are fantastic. Still, over 70% of winners are paying more on fixed odds than they are on the tote. Soon, fixed odd wagering is going to be available throughout the state of New Jersey. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands because the odds you bet are the odds you get. You're going to hear a lot more about fixed odds betting opportunities during this show and across the In The Money Media Network. Hello and welcome to the late week edition of the In The Money Players podcast. This is that fun thing we do where we co-produce Horse Player Happy Hour with the In The Money Players podcast. PTF here alongside Matt Bernier. Uh, You've got to come join us for these Horse Player Happy Hours. We have so much fun during Saratoga, during Del Mar. We're going to uh, probably be leaning heavily towards Saratoga, if I'm being honest, for various reasons. But the we're going to just have that much more fun covering all the Breeders' Cup win and you're in races. But this weekend, we do not have Breeders' Cup win and you're in action, but we do have a pair of grade one races at Belmont that I know that uh, Matt has looked at and we want to take a look at. Let's uh, let's kick things off, Matt, by looking at what goes as race number seven on the card. It is the Belmont Oaks going a mile and a quarter. We will have full coverage of the pick six a little bit later in the show. Matt Fagvolgi will be joining me to do that. But uh, I definitely don't want to get out of here today without getting your thoughts on these big grade ones. Who do you like in the Belmont Oaks? Yeah, look, I mean, I think the Europeans all make sense uh, with the moonlight figures to be a little bit more forward than I think what we're accustomed to seeing from the Europeans coming over. Wouldn't be surprised at all if she ran a big one here uh, on the far outside concert hall. Makes sense. She's been bet like a good thing in a number of group ones over in Europe. Um, and look, you certainly don't want to discount Joey O'Brien with the way that he's been running. Uh, I'm going to do something on the fly right here and say I- I've made stupid calls in the past, and I know she is not the boss on figs. But if I could go like this and like <laughs> this and go like this and go like this. Can you see that? It's down in the bottom, and now we can pop it up into the stream. Now we can see it. This is a tweet from October 17th of last year, 2021. The Philly for Chad Brown is a monster in the making. Get used to hearing the name Haughty. I know she's slow on figs right now, but I truly believe she is a, a potential superstar. I, I haven't given Regal Glory, who's an older Philly or mayor going a mile. I haven't given her a fair shake as far as comparing her to some of Chad's best. From day one, I thought this Philly shaped up like she could be a sister Charlie uh, a Lady Eli type, and I could be way off. And on paper, she is slow. But I just, I think this is the coming out party. I think she runs a big one. I don't know what kind of price you're going to get, but I like Haughty. I like it. It's an interesting idea. And of the domestics, I tend to agree. The problem is, you got a couple killers coming in here, it looks like to me. And the one I'm going to side with is uh, with the Moonlight, Charlie Appleby. No introduction needed at this point. What's he done in the last few years in North America. We'll try 12 for 25 
with a 436 return on investment. And I think you might get an okay price between the Brown contingent and between Concert Hall, who should be favored over with the Moonlight. This is an improving horse. Really like that the debut of the season at Newmarket. Rob Dove, one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK today, did a little in-depth write-up of all the shippers for our In The Money Plus members, if you're interested in that, inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus. But I will share that he computed that may race as a 91 buyer speed figure. The betting for her in the Oaks was weak, and she ran like it. It really didn't do much at all. But I think you can conjure various excuses for it. Dove, in his piece, suggested maybe it was as simple as a bounce. But I've just seen over the years, Epsom is such a quirky track that you do well not to hold Epsom form against runners. I think with the success that Appleby's had with the Moonlight has to be respected in the Belmont Oaks. I'll certainly be using Concert Hall in all of my vertical uh, wagers. Aiden O'Brien has done very, very well with this race. Um, very, very strong form for Concert Hall and another one who, you know, you got to figure is just going to be finishing really well late and looks capable of running a low 90s buyer speed figure that could leave the Americans um, in, in the dust. But if one's going to step up, I, I tend to agree with you, Matt, that Haughty looks like an interesting one. Another quick thought on the Belmont Oaks before we move to the Derby? With with the Moonlight figures to be forward, Agatha figures to be, or at least she has been forward in her European races, how close is forward going from Europe to the United States, do you think? Do you think I they're mean, actually pressing the pace? Yeah, if not on the lead. I mean, there's I, I hold that when people think of international races and they think of slow paces, they're thinking of France. Like yeah. England and Ireland, they run quick. Uh, up front and you know if you hold a stopwatch to it it doesn't might not look that quick because they you know when you see fractions from there there, there's no none of this nonsense of a run-up you know what i mean so i think people get the idea that these horses are are slower than they are i mean we've just we've seen with some of these shippers now there's a separate issue too with um you know how are they going to get out of the gate and the o'briens don't they just don't typically break one so that's you know that's a real problem that we've seen some of them not break and then still go to the lead and win. So that tells you something. But obviously, Appleby is as good as anybody at being able to adapt to the USA style of racing. So I, I think that uh, you know as far as he goes, I, I would expect her to be able to get in at least a, a decent position in the Oaks. I think it's just a really fascinating race. I mean, I, I talk about it all the time. My preference is long distance turf racing. I know this isn't technically long distance at a mile and a quarter, but I just think it's a great field. I love the fact that quality Europeans are coming over here to run in races like this or the Saratoga Oaks or the Saratoga Invitational. Uh, I just think it's a, a really fun series that Naira's put together. And I love the fact that it's not as simple as just Chad and then everybody else. It's yeah. Chad or Aiden O'Brien, or Joseph O'Brien, or Charlie Appleby, Todd Fletcher, or whomever. It's just these are some of my favorite races on the Naira circuit all year long. Let's pivot to the Belmont Derby, which goes as race number 9-5-12 on Saturday, mile and a quarter once again. Some very familiar names on the local side, runners like Emmanuel turning up here, Classic Causeway, a little bit of a surprise entrant as far as I was concerned turning up here we've got major european representation as well where did you land in the belmont derby well you and i both liked emmanuel in that penine ridge and i just thought it was the most candy trip of candy trips for yes. a horse trying turf for the first time uh with 
the presence of classic causeway i can't imagine that being the case i think he's going to have to run a lot harder early on maybe that helps napoleonic war maybe that helps limited liability the horses that were paced compromised in that penine ridge um of the foreign shippers you know i suppose most people are going to look at nation's pride and i understand why uh i'm sure some people will look at stone age who i thought had a dream trip really in the derby and maybe he just didn't see out the distance you can you know dive more into that i i ended up going well first things first of the europeans i was actually a little bit intrigued with machete um, I thought all things considered the way that he finished in that run and the most recent race over soft ground was encouraging. I think you take a look at his firm ground runs. Uh, I actually think he takes a pretty significant step forward, but I ended up landing on tis the bomb. And, uh, you know, I understand maybe, you know, he's been placed in some difficult positions. We haven't seen him run on grass this year, X, Y, and Z. I will say, I think all of his turf and synthetic races have all been exceptional. I think he's run really, really well in each one of them. Kenny McPeak even kicked the tires on the idea of sending him over to Royal Ascot. They chose to kind of, or I shouldn't say that. They were going to run him in the Guineas, uh, whatever the, the situation was. They chose not to. They ran in the Kentucky Derby. He's not a dirt horse, flat out. He, he is a turf horse or a synthetic type. And I do think he has a big chance in here. And, and I hope there's a chance that he gets a little bit lost in the shuffle with the names that are in this spot. If I can get close to double digits, I think that would be very, very fair on Tis the Bomb. It's an interesting case, and I get it. Um, the horse has shown a lot of quality and has been, you know, at least the last day, running on the wrong surface. I think you nailed your analysis of the European runners. I mean, yes, those big names are big contenders, but I don't know that either of them are going to offer, you know, a ton of value at the prices that they're going to be in terms of Nation's Pride and Stone Age. I think Machete is the interesting one, and you, you take a look – at this form, um, Machete with close-up form behind uh, the French Derby and Eclipse winner, Vadeni. Um, this horse really makes a lot of sense. Um, and looking at Dove's figure analysis, again, from the In the Money Plus piece, I'm not going to give away everything, but I will mention he had that he has Machete running to about a 90 buyer with potential to improve and to, to steal his line from our piece. And, and this horse is going to be a big price. I think Machete has a chance to cut them down in the Belmont area. <laughs> I like that. That's good. And, and I'm glad to hear that someone who is in tune with the European racing kind of agrees. And I mean, do you throw any credence into that fact as well that I just feel like, you know, potentially getting back to firm turf is going to be to this one's benefit as well. Not to say that he didn't run well in some of the, the races with sort of softer going, but I think very clearly that run two back at Shanti was the best he's run. And that was behind a horse that we've seen go on and do bigger and better things. I think it makes all the sense in the world. Now, I don't know, you know, there, there's a pedigree analysis to be done on that as well, but just looking at the form we have for a horse that acts well on synthetic and ran the best race and a best race by, by kind of a lot, I think on the, on the good ground there to Vadeni two back. I think it's a very reasonable hypothesis about Machete. I wouldn't leave this horse out. I don't think you're going to see 20 to 1, but you never know. I mean, you know, we, we see strange things happen with these shippers sometimes that come from, you know, connections that aren't the ones that we always see. So I, I think there's a real chance that there could be some, uh, there could be some fireworks in the Belmont Derby. And, and I'm definitely interested to see how, uh, how your selection gets on, uh, Tis the Bomb, and how, uh, how Machete does as well. Again, for much more, you can check out Dove's analysis over at uh, In the Money Plus. He always comes up with some good stuff. But it's going to be a great day of racing at Belmont, 
And yeah, you mentioned one other thing I did want to get back to because that you that you mentioned is about um, uh, about the, the Stone Age and what happened exactly in the what happened exactly in the Derby. And it's uh, I mean, this horse just makes sense as a winner of this race. Really looks very very similar to a runner like Bolshoi Ballet, who ran this, who won this race last year, but ended up not you know not being anything uh, not being anything special. Um, yeah, I mean, I I didn't really see. I didn't really see an excuse. It, it, it's this is a horse again makes all the sense in the world. I'm not getting beaten out of uh, the picks if Stone Age wins. I just don't think is uh, is a particularly enticing bet on breeding. You know the distance shouldn't have been the issue, so it's 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 hard to know uh, what the heck was going on there the last day. But I, I think that uh, I will back up with uh, I'll back up with that one. I'll back up with nation's pride, but the most of the money will be running through machete. And if we're right on this one, we're going to get paid. Is there a, sort of a, a closing thought? Do you have an opinion on Emmanuel? Is it just a matter of the pace dynamic is going to be not entirely different, but, but certainly different than what he faced in the Pennine Ridge. Or, I mean, look, this has just been a horse that's been cut out to be good from day one. You know, do you just not, let's not give him short shrift just for the fact that he's probably going to have to work harder on Saturday. I made my biggest bet of the year on Emmanuel in the Pennine Ridge. I mean, I really liked the horse, and that was a very, very good result for me. But, I mean, it was, as you pointed out, the perfect situation and the candy trip of all time. I mean, I think he could come back and win as a, as a fan of the horse. I won't be mad. This won't be a throw my hands up in the air. How the heck did that win? Only I didn't say heck, like, uh, you know, <laughs> Kentucky Derby. But, I mean, for me personally – usually when you say last time was the time you're talking about a horse that was a big price and circumstances conspired to put it in the winner's circle. I, so it's not a classic last time was the time, but I, for me, kind of last time was the time for Emmanuel. I mean, I, again, I, I wouldn't be mind to be wrong, but I just think this is a much, much, much tougher test. I tend to agree with you. And, and frankly, I, I wish that fig, I know it's hard to get a fast fig in a slowly run race, but boy, he just, he's consistent. And that's not necessarily what you need in a spot like this, because I don't know that, that those numbers that he's consistently earning are fast enough to win. Doesn't mean he can't move forward. Doesn't mean he can't pass horses if somebody else like Classic Causeway is intent on the lead. Um, but I just think I'll be curious to see how they bet him. But I just think he has a number of, of questions that need to be answered uh, it, it going a mile and a quarter on Saturday. It's it's definitely a little tricky. Tis the bomb is interesting from a figure point of view. I mean, when you look at the USA horses that you're confident can run a non-dirt figure like fast enough to win this. He's one of the ones I would definitely put forward as a horse that I'm, I'm pretty confident is supposed to run the kind of figure that can win this race. And I mean, he probably should be six to one. There's just so many ways to go in here. Yeah. And, and I'm saying 10 to one double digits. That's, that's with the hope that, you know, the Applebee sort of uh, aura kind of takes over now. And it, it's what Aiden O'Brien's horses used to be that now, anytime Applebee has a runner, everybody just gravitates towards him and says, Oh, well, they're going to win. No, they're going to run big. Um, and the fact that it is Kenny McPeak, who as great and brilliant a trainer as he is in New York, you know, I think people look at Todd and they look at Chad and you see the Europeans coming over. Maybe there's a chance this one gets lost a bit in the shuffle. Maybe I'm being cautiously optimistic. Um, but I will say, I, I think he has run quite well in every one of his races that has not been on dirt, uh, including that Breeders' Cup last year, where I thought he flew on at the end after a less than stellar trip. Um, I just, I, I'm intrigued to see what we get from him. Maybe he can't pass the acid test, but I think he should be a playable price. And as far as the Americans are concerned, I think he has as good a chance as any. 
I would agree with that. We've run long. I do have one more question about this race before we get out of here, though. What do you make of Classic Causeway in this spot? I don't like it personally. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's a matter of this is a horse that I'm trying to think of the right way of putting it. I wish it was a bit of a softer spot to start. I have no idea if he's going to be able to work on the turf. And I understand maybe there is a little bit of pedigree, but with his running style, with the manual in here, who I think may just be a better horse, um, a classic causeway would probably need to do something. Not only would he need to win on a surface for the first time that he's trying it, but he's probably going to need to either go faster than he wants to early or sit off of a manual, pass him, and then hold off not just the best American turf horses we have that are three-year-olds, but some of the best international turf horses that we have as three-year-olds. I think there's a lot going against a horse like Classic Causeway in here. Selfishly, I'm okay with it because I think he can help set the pace for just yeah. the bomb. <laughs> De facto rabbit, right? I mean, yes. I, not that, that they're not, not no, literal no. rabbit, but I mean, this horse, based on the last run, was crying out for a cutback and now they're going longer. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I'm completely against. I think that David was a little wise guy with his morning line, making this one as far out as 12 to one. I still feel like the famous name is going to drive the horse's price a little bit down uh, below the 12 to one. Anyway, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I wouldn't even bet him at 12 to one. So, I mean, I get where David's coming from with that morning line, David Aragona, the Naira morning line maker, the best in the business as far as I'm concerned. But uh, it, it's uh, yeah. I mean, any, I feel like he's the potential takeout uh, reducer as it were when it comes to the Belmont Derby. All right, Matt, that was good stuff. Really appreciate uh, having you on for that. And really appreciate having you on in, in general for these horse player happy hours. Any closing thoughts before we get out of here? No, looking forward to the weekend's racing. Think these two races at Belmont are going to be great. And you've also got big racing all over the place. We've talked about Horseshoe Indianapolis. They've got big races, the Indiana Derby, the Iowa Derby's happening at Prairie Meadows. I think the Los Al Derby's happening out in Southern California. Uh, we've got a number of big, big races this weekend as we get ready for next week, which we all know, opening week up at the spot. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Naira and Naira Bets. And by the Stars and Stripes Day, featuring the first legs of the 2022 Caesars Turf Triple and Phillies Turf Triple Series. You can enjoy an incredible day of racing at Belmont, packed with special events, including a spiked festival tasting event, alpha axe throwing in the backyard. That will be entertaining. Casa Noble tequila tastings and food trucks. This is your last chance to attend the races at Belmont this spring. Tickets are on sale at Naira.com, or you can watch from home on America's Day at the Races on Fox Sports. There is that kitchen guy you're going to have to deal with, but if you're listening to our shows, you can probably handle it. Make sure to check it out, and for more information, go to Naira.com. Next up in the show, as promised, a look at the entire pick six at Belmont on Saturday. Big card. There's also the Suburban, which we're not going to chat about in this segment. I will quickly throw in that I think first captain is interesting to potentially reverse form with a dynamic one from the, what was that, the the, uh, the the Jim Dandy last year, wherever they met in Saratoga, the curling of the Jim Dandy. I think first captain's gotten very good and is, is an interesting horse. But to talk about the pick six properly, which kicks off in race number six, we bring in our race lens power user, Matt Vagvolgi. Matt, how are things? Things are good. Things are good. Back uh, back from the lake, which looks like you've gone to the lake. So we're just uh, zigging and zagging when it comes to uh, to that. You're out in Maine. I was out in the 
out in the Finger Lakes. Um, just got through the uh, Saratoga uh, Lifestyle show uh, nice. early this morning. So that's always one of my favorites. Any so. additions? Any Anything you were like, oh, I can't believe they did. I've had a few people say, oh, I can't believe they didn't mention Nine Maple. Honestly, I didn't realize Nine Maple was back open. It had been closed <laughs> for so long. But, you know, good live music, good whiskey. I didn't, I didn't mind that one. Somebody said you didn't tip Walton Whitman's Cafe enough. Uh, some of the best coffee in town. Great place to handicap. That was another good one. But what else? What else did we leave out? <laughs> it's tough. Listen, you can always leave. you can go on. You can do that show like once a week and you'll still leave stuff out, in my opinion. Uh, one thing I'll add to the Hatties that is not the original site, the one you mentioned that's over towards me yes. uh, in that mall area, which is a great little strip there. Um, I highly recommend it if you want to bring it back home. They have the best pickup order service I've ever seen. Like you are literally in and out of there in like two minutes. Like you literally go in, boom, everything is like perfectly set, grab it, done. Kid friendly too. A lot of stuff that my kids like to eat. So that's always helpful out there as well. I'll add one thing that's a little bit different. That's in that same, ex it's in that same strip right there. It's right next door. I think um, if you're looking, if you're up here for a bit and you're doing a barbecue and you want to get really good stuff, whether it's steaks, chicken, all the sides, everything primal butcher, which is yep. right next door to it. I, I have a house account there just to give you an idea of how, how often I go there. I have never had anything bad there. So if you're looking to do a barbecue, whether it's big or small, the best meat you can find around here, in my opinion, is primal. So it's right next to the Hatties there. So that's the one, that's the one addition I'll, I'll, I'll add there, Pete. When you mentioned the mall, I thought of two things popped in my head that I wish I'd mentioned. One was primal for in town. Now I will say if you have time to drive a bit out of town as much, if not more than Primal, I like down in Clifton Park, Fred the Butcher. Not sure if you've okay. ever spent any time at Fred the Butcher. No. But they have like an interesting little dry age program there that mm -hmm. I've gotten some some really good uh, birthday steaks. And once you're down, you know, you're down Clifton Park, maybe on the way back, you can hit that unified brewery over by the Saratoga Ninja Lab. Some, some good stuff down there. But one other that I really should have mentioned, because we've had them on the show and they're friends, and they have some of the better barrel picks of whiskey I've ever gotten from any store. First Fill Spirits. Go to First Fill Spirits, talk to Charles, talk to Holly. They're both excellent palates. And one bottle in particular I'm gonna throw out there right now. Uh, they have a barrel pick of Stellum Rye that I think is one of the great whiskey values I've had in the last couple of years. This is a rye that drinks with the heavy hitters. That's 50 or 60 a bottle. Um, that's a barrel pick from them. That's super duper. So first fill spirits is another one to do your, uh, to do your whiskey shopping. We'll throw that in there. You've been two, in there. Two right? thumbs up, two thumbs up there. Okay. I'm actually headed there today. So I've actually, it's, it's funny now to think the two things we just mentioned, I'm picking up um, uh, ribs for, to smoke for the weekend and I'm hitting, uh, I'm hitting first fill for, uh, for, for the whiskey. Cause I want to, I need to add some more of my higher end stuff. That's been uh, being drained with visitors coming over. So I gotta be <laughs> great stuff. All right. Before we get to this pick six, one more thing I want to talk about is our promo codes for special deals from race lens. You hear how Matt uses the program talks about it. The, the, you know, he does traditional handicapping, but this idea of having this research tool at your fingertips and because of our partnership with RaceLens, our listeners have a way to do this that is uh, much less expensive when you're looking at your, your monthly plans, your annual plans. We've got a new code. The one, the one we, I read out last week was a bit too much of a mouthful. So we're, we're replacing that with In the Money 40. And instead of, you can just go to the Equibase site and navigate to RaceLens, or we've created a little pretty link. 
inthemoneypodcast.com slash racelens. That'll bring you right to the screen where you buy cards and uh, and go from there. What would be your advice, Matt, to somebody looking to play around with racelens? Uh, would you get a whole month? Is it the kind of thing you can sort of get a flavor looking at a day? What would you recommend? Yeah, I would say I would get it for at least a month, right? And the reason being is that it's probably going to take you a little while just to get used to it, right? Just like anything else, it can be a little overwhelming at first, but I promise you it's it's very intuitive to the fact that you can do a lot of modeling, a lot of really cool research stuff that you don't need any experience building any models, right? So that's that's the benefit. I would say it's just getting used to where things are. But I'll throw out there as well. People DM me a lot about asking like, hey, I'm looking to run this or I had this idea. I know you use this. Can you help me figure this out? And yeah, I give them an idea of exactly where to find stuff because I've been using this since they've started. Right. So I, I would you. Yeah, I would try to get a little bit more of a longer period of time, get a better sense for it. Um, and another thing, too, is when you do get the um, you know, when, when you do get the Raceland subscription, there's already preset angles that are in there that have been built. Uh, from from you know folks with Equibase, whether it's Ellis, whether it's you know other, other folks there. I think Lafitte and Kai's got some stuff on there as well. Um, click on it and look to see where they found some of these angles, because then it sparks some ideas where where you can find the different research tabs, build your own, maybe add on to it. Um, so it, it's a if you're interested in in that type and to really start to create your own content and research. Uh, I, I think giving it a little bit of a deeper breath and, and, and some time to get used to it, I, I think would be would be helpful. That's what I did. I've used it ever since. It's like I said, it's one of the first things I check every morning when when I get up. If your game, and we got to be careful because next week's show has the potential to be just a complete crazy marathon with opening at Saratoga and the return of Baby Talk and, and a lot of other things we have cooking. But if your game, maybe we'll do some demoing of the product with a little screen share action. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a way that, and we'll, we'll experiment with it offline so we don't have to do the potentially very dull production meeting in the middle of the show if it doesn't work right away, but we'll see if there's a way you can, you can demo because what better time to do it and use this tool than before a meet like Saratoga. I assume you'll be doing some extra digging and trying to find some cool stuff that we can put into action over the course of the next eight weeks or so. Oh, a ton of stuff. I've been, uh, I've been in the lab, so to speak for about uh, two weeks of uh, getting stuff ready there. But again, the positive thing I've done so much over the years, I'm more kind of complimenting at this point, because when you create an angle and do the research and you keep it active, it stays active. So when Saratoga comes back, guess what comes back? All of my Saratoga research, right? So it's all there. I don't have to do it again. So once you create it once, it's already built into your uh, you know portfolio, so to speak. And it shows up right away. So like there's a homepage where you can just look to see like different angles that hit different horses, hover your mouse over it. It'll tell you exactly all that fit. You want to dig in a little bit deeper, you click on it. So yeah, I love it. I think a demo would be good to get an idea of, of how it works. But um, again, I've been a user. So that's the big thing I want to emphasize. I've used this since they've started. And uh, you know, I, I, I just have gravitated towards it. And it's really helped identify some some nice price horses but also looking for different opportunities going forward has also helped me to uh to build tickets uh, as well in the money 40 that's the code you're going to want to use and you can navigate directly to the page in the money podcast.com slash racelands okay now pick six time we're ready to do this we kick off with race number six 334 at belmont on this uh, closing saturday We've got the three and up fillies and mares, six and a half on the dirt in this allowance race. 
what numbers you want to use to light this candle. I think this sequence is tough. Um, I think this race is, is difficult as well. Um, I'll, I'll start off with um, horse. I don't know, might be the favorite um, morning line is seven to two. Yeah. So morning line tepid favorite in the eight November rain, just like coming off of a, a layoff. I think a needed layoff um, after a, a fairly dull effort, but it was in the mud, but you know, comes back, you know, being off over, you know, 248 days, Speed fade type, which I like off a layoff, uh, coming back within you know within the you know two months, which is great. Um, so November rain, Rosario stays aboard as well. Um, so I do like this horse to sit off of what I think could be a pretty hot pace up front, and a couple of horses that do like to stop. Um, so I, I would say one of my A's will be November rain. Another horse that I'll use is on down on the rail uh, to a T. Um, Nota with with Irad. Um, you know again inconsistent horse but i think fits with this particular group um i do like this horse's late pace figure uh should be able to uh, to sit from off of it has closed and slow paces uh as well um you know again you know when nota is has done well you know uh looking at this month alone you know 21 percent winners three dollar 20 cent roi with irad again 29 starts 25 percent winners and uh, 296 uh, roi so again good some good numbers there to support that but i do like the setup this horse could potentially get um one horse i'm not sure what to make of is is the five uh is it Mon monchun monchun um monchun, again yeah. I, this horse is torch money Right. So, I mean, this horse has lit a lot of uh, backyard campfires. I, I just, I don't know. I find this could be the right group. We'll be up on the pace. I think we'll have company up there as well. I think the four uh, uh, chasing care will be up there uh, in the mix as well. Another horse I, I will use, but the top horses I'll use number the, I'll use the eight uh, November rain, the number one to a T uh, I'll also back up with the five uh, Monstrun and the four uh, Chasing Care, which, by the way, Chasing Care, another part of Racelands is, again, the AI portion of True Odds. That is their, out of the sequence, their best uh, winner in terms of percentage probability, giving the giving this horse a 49% uh, win probability uh, for this race. I'm not necessarily in line with that, again, but that's a good thing, right? The AI side with the traditional handicapping side, you can look at it and compare. Uh, they do like this horse a lot. Top horse out of the sequence. That's a horse I will use. So I'll use those two as, as two as Bs, but the eight and the one as A's. I have a different top pick and then a lot of similar things. I went with Ruby's in time. I know she's had plenty of tries at this condition, but overall, like looking at her entire PP, this is a tough competitor who has some excuses. And I thought just maybe up against it last time in terms of trip, probably too close to that fast pace. I'm hoping for a little bit different tactics today, bit of a holdup ride. I think there's a good chance that's what Ruby's in time will get. And I, I want plenty of sevens on my tickets. I also did write down the four, Chase and Cara, who I did think had the potential to be best speed. The 49% win percentage certainly sounds aggressive, but a likely uh, winner, I would agree with that, certainly among the top of the market. And then Monshin, you make a point about the money burning, but at the same time, if this is the day where – Monchun is actually a decent price and gets the right kind of uh, stock and pounce trip. I think we could maybe see why she's been so well regarded by the barn. So I'm going to go back and take another look at, uh, at the two that you mentioned as A's, but I had the race for starters seven as the A with a four and five on the backup line. And with that, we'll go to leg B in the pick six. Group one, grade one, excuse me, Belmont Oaks. You can see why I made that slip, though. On this side of the on this side of the pond, feet. This yeah. side. <laughs> With all the foreign form, it threw my brain into a tizzy. 
I already talked about this on the earlier in the show with Matt, but uh, the the short answer is I'm gonna play. Uh, I'm I'm gonna end up playing three horses mainly in here with with the with the moonlight being the top pick. I respect Concert Hall as an A, just less appealing to me at the prices. 410 and then uh, Haughty, the number three, as a backup. What did you come up with? Uh, I'll, add in, I'll add in a couple others. Um, you know, I, 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 I like consumer spending in this spot. I, I, a couple of friends of mine were laughing when we were talking about this. They're like, I'm tossing that horse out completely. I'm like, I just feel this horse can compete. I think, obviously, there's some some newcomers in, into this field that not ex- maybe exactly sure how the pace will set up, but Listen, I want horses that are going to be forwardly placed that aren't going to lose touch with the field. This horse has done it. Um, fast pace, slow pace has been right there. been able to show some nice late pace. Um, I think the distance is is perfect. Third off of a layoff. Um, so I'm, I will use consumer spending in this spot. Um, another horse that that I'm going to use as well, uh, uh, O'Brien and Johnny V getting uh, getting getting together on the nine. Uh, Agartha, is that how they say that? Yep. Um, you know, again, I think this horse could be the speed of the speed. And we've talked about this before about, you know, speed and some of these route races at Belmont, you get left alone on the front end. I think this horse can get out to it and and, and hang on. I know he's given it up late and, and some recent tries there, uh, but certainly want to want to include this horse as, as part of the mix. Uh, again, to bring in true odds as part of this as well. This is their best value play of the day. They pegged this horse at nine to five with their fair value line versus the 10 to one morning line. Um, I'm a, I'm a fan of this horse. I, 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 again, just on a pace perspective, I think this horse can get to the front and potentially hang on. Uh, and then nothing really to add with, uh, with, uh, with the moonlight, uh, another horse that I liked as well. Those are the top three. I did like your horses, Pete, but I just want to mention, put some more emphasis on a couple of other horses that I do like, uh, there as well. So a couple invaders coming in that I think can compete. Uh, but you know, again, uh, consumer spending, I think is interesting in the spot. In terms of A's and B's, how would you grade this one out? Have you gotten that far yet? Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna I'll use the the five, nine, and four uh, as A's, and I am gonna back up with with Haughty and and uh, Concert Hall, the two that you mentioned as well. This is a tough race. This is very very to me a very difficult race. Can be very confusing on how my brain works of trying to plot out the race in terms of uh, on a pace and speed perspective. So uh, I'll use quite a bit here, but I'm going I'm to try to get by with a lot of my tickets with those, with those three A's and see if I can survive. I think your Agartha idea is interesting. I didn't come up with her, but I will say this. We've seen Joseph O'Brien ship, obviously like all around the world at this point, that amazing horse state of rest who came here and won at Saratoga. That was another horse who on form, you wouldn't have necessarily said, Oh, he's the most likely uh, Euro winner in the race. And I think that's not necessarily an accident. I think certain barns are particularly adept when it comes to deciding which runners to ship. And I, I think you make a mistake to look at Joseph O'Brien and Aiden O'Brien in the, in the same way. It, it feels to me in a limited sample that the Joseph O'Brien runners are a little more carefully selected in terms of which ones are doing the traveling. Whereas Aiden O'Brien, and I don't mean this as an insult. It's always great having him here, but it feels like a little bit more of a let's throw stuff against the wall and see which one's like a little bit more carefully selected and the other thing now i still do think there are distance questions in general just because we are dealing with a with a caravaggio here more of a more of a sprint sire even though there is some uh, distance in the female family but just in general if if you're if you're getting a mile over there 
I don't think a mile and a quarter is going to be too much of a trouble when you have exactly. to run around turns. So that's not a reason yeah. to dismiss that one. I mean, the true odds idea is a little insane on this one. If I'm being honest, I mean, there's mm-hmm. just too much competition to take anybody that short in this race, let alone one who doesn't necessarily have the best form and does have distance questions. But I wouldn't be, you know, I'll be, I'll be complimenting. I still probably, you know, maybe I'll use as a backup. I'm not like shifting my opinion of the race or anything, but I'm definitely giving you props if uh, Agartha comes storming home in the Belmont Oaks. Yeah, and a couple of things to add on on the, the horse you liked, uh, the number four uh, with with the Moonlight. I believe that's your topic. Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, Appleby fifty percent with the Tory in the U.S. Also fifty percent in sixteen starts here with a four dollar and thirty cent ROI. So there's definitely the stats that that back up that horse uh, as well. Again, amongst a lot of other things as well. But I want to throw the, those uh, those connection stats in there as well. That might I'm glad push you in the right did. direction. It's been nuts. It's been nuts. You talk about a barn that seems to know exactly which horses are gonna um, like the the usa configuration left-handed turns firmer ground uh that that nobody nobody better right now at doing that than charlie appleby i just hope the market doesn't come too much because she's really supposed to be four or five to one and concert hall is supposed to be shorter but maybe that appleby stat pushes that number down in any case hopefully we get some value preserved in these horizontals and for those with fixed odds international betting access you can bet with the moonlight right now i think some books at six to one. I think the sharper book had more like four to one, but you know, in any case, of course, I'm very, very interested in as long as we're getting at least about four, let's go to race eight, the victory ride. We've got the three-year-old Phillies going six and a half on the dirt and a field of seven going postward. Who's your idea of the winner, Matt? I want to be a little bit chalky here. I think this horse is going to take uh, probably the lion's share of the money. Um, and that's going to be the five uh, pretty birdie. I just think it's the speed of the speed. It's going to be very difficult to, to, to catch on the front end. You can argue happy soul will probably go with this horse showing early speed. I don't think like in terms of the early pace figures I have, I don't think this, I don't think happy soul can keep up with pretty birdie. So that, Basically, when you look at those two horses and the rest of the field, it's a pretty deep spread in terms of those early pace fractions. So tells me statistically a pretty clear early lead. And I think just might be tough to catch on the front end. Um, I like Rosario uh, on this horse, you know, setting the early fraction. So um, that's that's a horse that I will use uh, primarily uh, on, on my on my plays here. Um, if, and again, just looking at it, connections, if you look at, uh, you know, Norm Cassie and Joel together, 75% winners uh, so far this year, over $4 uh, ROI. So they like to, when they get together, they usually have, uh, they're usually live. So but I just like, I like the way this race will set up. I think it'll be fast, but I do think that uh, pretty pretty will clear if happy soul does compete and stay with, uh, with, with pretty birdie. I think a horse that's interesting. I'm going to use as, a lone B in this case is smash ticket. Mike Smith coming over. That's, I think that's interesting. Second off a layoff, this horse blew it out. Um, you know, the first time, first time out there has by far the best late pace figures uh, in this field, but should be sitting close. So it should be somewhere uh, in, in, in the middle when it comes to uh, the race setup uh, again, going six and a half. So those are the two I'm going to use. I'm, I'm going to press up pretty hard, uh, pretty birdie and see if I can get by with, uh, with some singles. We're reading each other's mail on this one, my friend. I see it exactly the same. Strong favorite in Pretty Birdie. Looks to me to have a pace edge over Happy Soul and all the rest. And I really like the form of those last two runs. I think there's a world in which Pretty Birdie's just a little bit better than her rivals and could be long gone in this spot. And the interesting alternative is a Smash Ticket. Bring some big speed figures to the party. 
as a speed figure oriented player. I always try to respect that. This can, of course, be a tricky circuit for shippers, and she's got to show she can fire her best shot off of Lasix, but I'd still like to include as a backup. So we're a carbon copy there as we move on to race nine, the Belmont Derby, a uh, mile and a quarter on the turf this time around. Another race we spent time talking about uh, in the first segment of the show. If you're an In The Money Plus subscriber, you'll have received notes from uh, Rob Dove, one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK today. And I uh, agree with the horse he thinks is interesting at a price in this spot, and that's Machete. This is a very strong form line to Fadani, um, a horse that, that uh, the Eclipse winner. And I just think the last race, extremely forgivable. That's uh, the Prita Jockey Club, much stronger um, the Belmont uh, Derby, no, no offense to the, to the Belmont Derby and to steal Rob's line um, who, who did that right up for us. Machete, the one to potentially cut them down at a price in the Belmont Derby. How do you see this one? Um, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Machete because I had this horse on kind of the question mark line. So not necessarily included in horses I wanted to talk about today, but I agree. I just, I think this horse might get left off the board. The problem is I liked him. You mentioned him. Other people are talking about him. I don't know if that's going to come into effect, but I don't think so. I think there's a lot of different ways that you can go. And I, you know, just, this is a tough race. So I, I will spread in this race and try to survive. Uh, but I thought uh, Stone Age, the 13 was interesting. The outside post is not as, as terrible as you would think, especially going this distance. Um, again, Yielding ground has done well, but also has uh, you know a nice a nice firm turf run. I think can negotiate that trip uh, from the outside with 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 uh, with more aboard. Um, you know, I, tis the bomb is interesting. I would say folks may look at this and say, eh, I think there's just better better quality here. But I disagree. I think it's a versatile horse. I, I think a horse that can sit off off the pace if it does get hot up front. And, and make a nice big run late. So again, another nice late pace figure for, for this horse going along on, on the turf. Um, but, you know, again, I, I think, I think stone age is interesting. I think again, the nine to the bomb is interesting. And uh, I, you know, I had as that question mark with machete, that I think I'm definitely going to include uh, now just on price and, and uh, you know, see if I can uh, see if I can get through this, but you know, there's, there's other horses to use nation's pride. The 10 I thought was interesting as well uh, with, with the Toria board um you know the, the 11 uh, i felt like can steal it on the front end with uh with irad so i'll be all over the place a little bit but top horses i want to use 13 stone age the nine uh tis, tis the bomb and uh i'll back up with nation's pride uh the 11 uh manual i'm gonna throw in machete uh as well you mentioned all the ones that i would use as backups which would be nine tis the bomb who i just think has Excellent form overall, obviously just not a dirt horse. Nation's pride and Stone Age just make too much sense to leave out as well. I was going to try, and I mentioned this in the top part of the show, so I won't belabor it. I was going to try to beat Emmanuel almost based on how much I loved Emmanuel last time and, and how I'm taking sort of a maybe last time was the time. Now, usually you say that about a long shot, not a favorite, but I just felt like with the quality of setup, Emmanuel got, I was actually even expecting a little bit more. And I think that the, uh, th this test may be harder, but I don't know if, if there's a way I can throw in this horse who I do like as a horse, as the deepest of backups, I, I may try to throw in there on the C line, but I, I'm definitely a little bit skeptical based on, uh, based on the ease of the setup the last day. 
Let's talk about race 10, my friend, unless you have another thought on, on this one before we pivot. No, I just, I've learned my lesson at, at Belmont, especially I'm not giving it up to potentially, like you said, surprised of the setup last time. You might see that again this time. And, you know, I, I've just, I'd rather pay whatever the cost of insurance is on the ticket. Right. I feel that there's value in the payout versus what the uh, premium cost is to add, add the horse in just if I, if I expect the horse to get towards the lead or beyond the lead, potentially get comfortable. I don't necessarily, that's why I'd use it as a B. I don't necessarily think so. Cause I do think stone age is going to be driven out of there um, from, from the 13 to try to, you know, try to get into the race early, but uh, no, I've, I've, I've learned my lesson. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep a horse like that involved. Makes sense. Let's talk about the 10th three and up New York bread made in special weights going seven furlongs on the turf. I'll, uh, I'll take the lead on this one. I like the 12. Hey, Mac, it's Jack. Miles clear on the time form U.S. pace projector. Competitive numbers overall. Uh, had that poor break last time. I think if Hey, Mac, it's Jack can break cleanly, good chance to wire the field. That was the one I was the most interested in. What are your numbers in the 10th? You, know, you, you read my email this time. Uh, you read my notes this time. Um, that's my best bet of the day uh is 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 the is the 12 a uh, hey mac it's jack for for what you said get you know i think a clear lead but what i like i call a u-shaped pace uh projection from my end and i think seven furlongs is perfect for this horse uh, i think the early natural speed will put this horse on the front end will have the ability to relax you may look at the figures and say no, this horse is pretty is going very fast i think it's a comfortable fast and there's a tremendous late finish as well for this horse so is that u-shape early out settle and big finish that's very very dangerous in my opinion going seven furlongs and above to be honest at, at belmont but seven for this horse i think is key i just think this horse just gets to the front and goes and uh again i, I like i rat aboard here uh that's going to be my top play my my only uh my only a out there, um, I do have to include the four uh, as a first-time starter. Uh, Frank's are, again, Rosario Clement uh, teaming up. They've uh, destroyed tickets of mine in the past. So uh, deep down, you know, I would say on a percentage base, a low percentage use, just based on how how strong I am uh, on the 12 in this race. But, yeah, the 12, hey, Mac Jack is going to be my best bet of the day and going to be a lot of singles on my pick six tickets. I was interested to maybe throw in uh, Feathers Road here as a backup, just obvious form and figure type horse. Did you give that one any count? Um, I, I, I look, yeah, I, another horse. I, I'm just looking at my notes here, a question mark on there. I just, this horse has run pretty even. Um, competitive, but one of those horses I think disappoints. I think this horse might actually take some money too. So I don't know if you're going to get the best price. Who knows? I might be wrong. Maybe this horse completely drifts up. Uh, with, with some others, but um, I just thought I had that even, even run line, um, you know, just missed going seven, you know, I thought had a nice setup though. Again, if you watch that race, I thought I had a pretty nice setup um, was closing just missed, but uh, I just felt there were others in this race, but more importantly, I think just my feeling on Hey Mac is Jack is, is, is really the reason why I think I'm just going to lean towards the 12 and I will back up with the four bit, but yeah, I did look, I just, I, again, some of those even running lines, I just don't think we'll be able to, to make up the, the necessary ground late to, uh, to, to get it done. Just a minute or so left, one race left to do. We'll give it a little bit of short trip, but certainly we'll be able to give our uh, ideas of the numbers we want on our tickets for the nightcap race number 11, $30,000 claimers going six on the inner turf. Matt, how are we going to get paid? 
Well, I'll be a little. Hopefully, we'll get some prices leading into this. But I'm going to be a little chalky here with uh, with the five uh, Sheriff Bianco just up on up on the front end again. I think there's a little bit of risk to uh, to a hot pace and might get burnt up a little bit. But I think where the pace is coming from is is, is cheap is cheap early speed. And I think with the nine, I was yeah, I've got the same as time form nine and the and the three pressing the pace. I don't see that as being much of an issue. I think uh, Sheriff Bianco can get out there, relax. Second off of a layoff here, um, Wesley Warden claiming this year 41 starts, 44% winners. So uh, I think uh, <laughs> I think this is a good spot, uh, good good spot for this horse. And then you know if you look at it from you know second off the layoff, you know 100 180 days off, 180 days off coming back in 40 to 60 days uh, with blinkers off, 162 starts, 30% winners. So again, what all that means is I think this horse is placed perfectly. Um, I think there's been a lot of success here. I think this horse needed a break. I uh, thought ran okay uh, first time out to kind of to be expected over over a yielding uh, turf course. Uh, but I think this horse gets it done here. Uh, Lone A, I will back up with the six and four uh, as well. But uh, I think the the five share Bianco is going to be a horse. I'm going to I'm going to lean on a bit. So often happens, despite you know a, a bit of a difference in our methodologies, we come up with the exact same thing. And I mean, I guess that's just because this horse is that obvious Sheriff Bianco. You know, I don't fully, fully trust. And I like the idea of throwing in some backup. So I've got to admit, I wasn't thrilled with anybody, but just looks super obvious. The drop in class for the second start of the year, clear, very good chance to prevail as the best speed, whether that's gate to wire or stalking and pouncing. And just so many of the others who I think are going to be running at Sheriff Bianco late, just look a little camera shy. I think he can hold them off late and get the job done and get us paid in the nightcap. I'm going to go with the five on top to round things out. There it is, Matt. We've, uh, we've done what we can do in this Saturday pick six. Any closing thoughts before we, uh, we let you get out of here? No, a tough sequence. Um, you know, again, joking with friends of mine this morning, if you complained about the Belmont card, well, here you go. I think you got a really good one. Really good one on Saturday. A lot of different ways that you can go. I think if you hit the pick six, you're going to get paid. Um, so I think I'll kind of design tickets in that in that fashion, more of a survive in advance type of type of play. But uh, yeah, listen, if it comes in uh, twelve five in the late double, I'll be uh, I'll be very happy. So, uh, but uh, no, looking forward to a good card and uh, looking forward to uh, there's something going on next week. I, I'm not sure uh, what it is, but uh, it's a little race meet in upstate New yeah, York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about it. It's down the street, so I think I might check it out. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think it's worth paying a little bit of attention yeah. to anyway. Well, we're going to do, we're going to really try this. If we can work the tech out, we'll do a little demo next mm -hmm. week and show some of the angles you'll most be looking forward to play. So that'll be must watch stuff from Matt and a good demo of Race Lens as well. Reminder once again, in the moneypodcast.com slash race lens takes you to the page. And then we've got our, uh, our special promo code um, in the money 40 to get you a discount on a monthly subscription. Good stuff, Matt. We'll talk soon. CP. Next up on the show, we convene our uh, committee for Monmouth. Been having a lot of fun talking through these Monmouth races from both an early pick five and fixed odds perspective with first from Betmakers, Dallas Baker. Dallas, how are things? Peter, very well. Nick, good day. I stole your thunder. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You know, you see, if you're watching, you see him. And now <laughs> Dallas is giving away the next because he's been on just about every show. He's been on more shows than me. Lately, let alone JK. He is uh, from in the money podcast.com. Nick Tamro. Nick, what's going on? I'm doing great, Pete. Good to be with you. And uh, Dallas is teaching me the proper good day, which I am not <laughs> quite there yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> you just got to fly. Oh. Good night. 
Just one word. It's not two syllables. Yeah, I can't. It's right, right. It's like, <laughs> it's like when when Medaglia Doro ran over here and everybody called him Medaglia Oro. It was like <laughs> scraping along my ears every time. So I'm sure my my day that that is two words, two full words is like ah. We'll get there. We'll get we'll get some more Australian speaking lessons, no doubt, as the year goes on. Focus today, Monmouth Park on Saturday. Monmouth, of course, the big weekend coming up for Haskell. I'm going to be there. I'm making my plans. Haven't exactly figured out the logistics of getting from uh, from Saratoga to Monmouth on the day, but we're going to make that magic happen. On Saturday, we start things off with a maiden special weight race for fillies and mares, three years old and up. Jersey Breads going a mile and a 16th on the turf. And uh, we'll start with you, Dallas, just to get an overview of what the market looks like here in this opener on Saturday. Uh, yes, Positino's Prophecy, $2.80 around this uh, the 74 mark or thereabouts, uh, is the favourite. And I'll come back to explain why. 7 to 2 or $4.40 in the decimals for Big Lee's Legacy. And the next one, her name is Lola at 9 to 2 or $5.50 on the decimal. Yeah, Positino's Prophecy, it's a really set-up horse. It reminds us, remind me about how you sort of try to manufacture wins when planning for trainers. It's third up, second prep. It's got the gear change with the Lasix in. It's had the run on the turf. It's improved. So it's a re- it, re- it looks a really good setup, which a lot, of the, um, a lot of the computer programs are going to gravitate to because it's got that tick, whether it's got the substance behind it. But uh, as far as being placed, that horse has been placed very, very well to win that race from the tried and true modelling, which is pretty consistent across the board where – most of the key players will take um, take uh, great credence. So I expect uh, uh, Postino's to be pretty well backed, actually, and um, it's uh, it'll be a pretty you know pretty good favourite, I would imagine. That's interesting, and it's a good chance for a tangent, just because you mentioned about computer groups, and you obviously from uh, both sides of the counter have a, l- a little bit of experience. That's really interesting to me that that's something that you're you're looking at. What what can you tell the folks about your your experience and why you know so much about uh, what those patterns tend to be of these horses that are going to catch money from those groups? Yeah, well, I think like if you have a look at most of the, a lot of the big joints around the world, a lot of them did emanate from the Sydney betting ring, and that's sort of where I grew up. I think that's where I got my most of my mail sent to when I was uh, when I was in the you know working in Sydney. But yeah, so a lot of it has emanated from that so um at, at times have changed now where the, a lot of the all the rock stars now work from home but it wasn't that long ago when all of these modeling model was, was being developed that most of those people were working out of the sydney betting ring like uh people's names like jelko dr nick all of that they've all come through sydney and they're they're pretty much the biggest punters around the world and put most of the money into the totes so whilst their uh, algorithms get finely tuned and developed day by day, second by second almost, there are still some core core points, informed jockeys, leading stables, some basic things, but program setups, um, yeah, as I said, third up, second preparation is always a big thing. Um, a lot of other factors like that. And that horse uh, that we just mentioned in the first has got a lot of those, ticks a lot of those boxes. So should um, that should see the computer programs gravitate towards it. But then again, as soon as you try to outguess the computer programs, it'll be two to one out to six to one. They'll back something in from 10 to one into even money and you go, yeah, they've got us again. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, what do you think from an early pick five perspective? What numbers are you looking to use in here? It looks mainly like four and six to me. I think there might be a little bit of the one. Her name is Lolo, who was pace compromised last time out. Pacino's Prophecy made two moves in that race. That was a, a race with a number of female horses facing males, and they're now back into to restricted company 
Um, and her name is Lola actually ran a lot better in that race than she had in some prior starts at Tampa. So, and didn't have the cleanest of trips too, but uh, big Lee's legacy is now a jockey change to Jose Ferrer. Who's likely to ride her quite a bit more aggressively on the stretch out and distance. I think that could end up leading to her being either on the lead or pretty forward along with uh, some combination of the, the two outside runners. So I would feel pretty confident with Pacino's prophecy and big Lee's legacy and use a little bit of her name as Lola as a backup. Race number two, we've got three-year-olds, starter allowance types going six furlongs on the dirt. Nick, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, I thought that this was, and this is a, a horse, the one Senate chamber that um, that Isaac Castillo would have ridden had he not gotten down with an injury recently. And I thought this horse was an absolute standout. The problem is that you have a rival immediately to the outside from the same barn that at least on the morning line is a shorter price. And so I think that the difference in odds between these two is going to be very, very small. And I'm not going to be surprised if Senate Chamber actually ends up going off the favorite because of the pace advantage. So I think it's one of those where they will completely dominate the attention from the public with maybe a little bit on raise of spites for Brittany Russell coming in, cutting back in distance. This felt to me like a situation where you could single Senate Chamber, feel pretty confident about it and just go onward. Interesting. So looking for a strong play on the one. I agree. And I can't wait to get what Dallas says. I mean, just looking at pace figures, Senate chamber, I would have, I mean, if you just made me make a line on this race, I think I, I, I might've made the favorite and you've got a horse here. Who's the, the, the fourth choice on the morning line, Dallas, how do you see this one uh, from a fixed odds perspective? Yeah, we'll just throw it up in the air, Peter. I think uh, three to two or six to four in my language or $2.50 in the decimal world, um, each of two favorites, but I can tell you what, the way that uh, they, we, we, it's really developing nicely at Monmouth Park and we're having some pretty sharp money come in. And I reckon when we go up with the prices that uh, obviously people might be watching this after at about 1.47 p.m. on Friday, we're going to know who's going to win because the Hollendorf staple hasn't missed for the last two weeks and is stripping us. So we'll let them decide. So we'll know the winner in a, before the race, I think. But, um, yeah, $2.50 each or two or three to two um, equal favourites for both of them. And next pick and the only one under double figures is Razor Spates at uh, $4 or three to one. I do think it's just an interesting thing to note in general, seeing Brittany Russell shipping into Monmouth, something that uh, I haven't seen much of, if any of, this meet, given the form uh, that her barn is typically in in the mid-Atlantic. Feels like if she starts doing that on the regular, I'm curious to see if, if she's going there to win or going there with horses that, uh, that don't fit in Maryland or what. But I think that's an interesting storyline to follow. Obviously, Nick, you already said in this spot, you're just interested in, in playing the one, but I, but I would imagine Brittany Russell, a trainer who's uh, earned the respect of horse players nationwide at this point. Yeah, no doubt about it. And she has a multitude of options in the mid Atlantic. And so I think this condition is probably what drew her there. It's uh rather telling that she's not looking for a one other than for this horse. She's looking for something a little bit softer. This is effectively a starter allowance race. And uh, that was a two life allowance last time. So those were, were a lesser variety, I would say, but um, yeah, I think as far as, you know, we let our horsemen specialize what they want their horses to run in as much as possible. So she probably got the right distance and exact right condition. Let's move on to race number three, the hinge of this win early pick five. I should have noted this earlier. This is the earliest pick five in the nation. First race, at uh, 12.15 on Saturday, race three going at 1.13 for these $20,000 claimers, five and a half on the turf. We've got a field of nine, including one main track only, Dallas. Who did you make the favorite? 
Yeah, the predicament's the favourite down the bottom at two to one, three dollars. You know, um, something's got to be favourite, Pete. It's not, it's not indicative of any huge confidence, that's for sure. Uh, Red Mule's next pick at three to one or four dollars, and that's ahead of Lucky as seven at nine to two or five dollars fifty. But um, I don't expect this to be the uh, the heaviest traded race on the card. Nick, what do you think in terms of our win early pick five? How many numbers do we need to use here? Yeah, I mean, it's a little tricky because the the predicament, the predicament with the predicament is that this person wants to come from a little bit off the pace, but has run well at Monmouth before. So it, it makes you feel a little bit better about it. Same too with Red Mule, who is, of course, owned by Sandy Goldfarb, one of the more successful claiming owners in the Northeast. And, uh, and so you always want to give his horses a second look, looking for a, his second win already at the meet. The other thing about this race is that for a turf sprint, it's actually relatively short on confirmed early speed. And the horses that look like they're going to go, um, they're not particularly fast and they're not particularly trustworthy. So a horse like Beach Warrior on the inside, getting some class relief, that's one that uh, might be worthy of, of you know, a little bit of consideration as far as maybe a backup goes. I think the winner comes from the group of Red Mule and the predicament. I could see myself using the one and three as backups. Seven, eight, one, and three for Nick in race number three. And with that, we'll move on to our fourth race of the Monmouth card on Saturday. Starter allowance, mile and a 16th on the dirt. Field of six, another race without a ton of pace, at least according to the time form you Puts my eye squarely on uh, X Checker, though maybe a little bit of concern with the with the barn switch on that one. Nick, curious to get your thoughts on this one. Who, who do you want to use to get through this leg? Yeah, I mean, this is a veteran gelding that Jose De- Jose Delgado basically rented. So he had him for one start, and and Patty Farrow is claiming this horse right back. Different owner than uh, she had him for. He's definitely the speed. The, the the issue here is that Rough C is a lot better than these horses. I mean, he is considerably better. But, you know, it's an interesting conversation to have with somebody like Dallas because Rough C is a horse that is probably going to be installed, you know, around evens or so in a fixed odds market. But you kind of would be willing to take let, you know, take him on a little bit because he's going to be coming from deep in the pack. This is not exactly a surface where you want to be coming from well out of it. But and he's coming from parks, which that form is always a little suspect. That being said, I mean, he is clearly the one to beat. Um, it does look like Exchequer probably has a bit of an edge pace-wise. Flowers for Lisa comes in off a really good effort in winning uh, a race against lesser foes and came from well off the pace that day. This is a horse who previously, in another life, had a great deal of speed, actually wired a claiming race at Saratoga a couple of summers ago during, uh, I think, in 2020. So we'll see how much that one ends up being forwardly placed. You know, as far as the pick five goes, I'd use Rough C. I'd use Exchequer and Supreme Aura as well because I think you want other options and you don't want to really have your, uh, your wagon totally hitched to rough seat. Makes sense. Would you try to get some flowers of Lisa in there too? I mean, just spread and, and hope for the best one, three, two, five kind of thing. How, yeah, how probably with the single in the second leg, I think you get a little bit more flexibility and I think that would be a, that'd be a fair approach. Dallas, how short did you make rough C? Yeah, just season? a tick over evens, $2.20 in the decimal, um, Peter. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very hard not to market favourite, but echo the thoughts of uh, what Nick said. Makes it a really tough race earlier. And, and then to add to rough C, it's a nine-year-old as well too. So what we spoke about before about a lot of the things that are, that gravitate to, there's a lot of things that actually are a bit of a bit of a negative against rough C. But as Nick said, sometimes it just comes, sometimes we overcomplicate things and it just comes back to, 
it just might be better than them. Simple as that, you know, draw the line. So that's the way the market's shaped. So t- a tick over evens and could e- e- easily be shorter um, for rough C. Uh, $4.40, so 7 to 2 for Supreme or a next pick. Exchequer is 9 to 2 at $5.50 and Flowers for Lisa at uh, 4 to 1. So, you know, it is, a, it is a pretty bunch bunched market and not the most ideal race for a pick five either, is it? Because you... You do want to play wide, but even by playing wide, the best price you're getting is around four to one. So it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an awkward race. So. Yeah, tricky. De- definitely yeah. a little bit tricky. Hey, here's a- another tangent we'll go on because uh, it's always fun to, to get the-, the insight and learn about these things. You know, we talk about the morning line prices versus the fixed odds prices. Is there any communication between is it Brad Thomas who makes the morning line at Monmouth and and you doing the fixed odd stuff or is it more seen as a separation of a church and state when it comes? To- <laughs> no, not quite like that. No, look, we there's a lot of there's a lot of factors that go into making the price and uh, any price source that we can look at. Um, and when I say we, that's our trading team can look at to uh, come up with the price they'll use. And uh, you know, Brad Thomas puts out some really good information. Um, I think the key to the morning line is though is understanding the restrictions that a morning line setter is under. Like, right. you know, don't dare set something odds on because it might, you know, offend some clients. Don't dare set anything over 20 to 1 because it might upset them. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, the last time I looked, um, upsetting an owner or trainer doesn't make the horse run faster or slower. If it's a 100 to 1 chance, it's a 100 to 1 chance. So I think that, I mean, when you, and when you get into understanding how pricing works and how, shuffling around any little bit of percentage you can to put into the right horses for the restrictions of the morning line there's probably you know 20 percent of percentage that's going in the wrong spots because of the convention so the way that the way that we look at the morning line is more of a ranking um to have a look at to see to see what the market order is because the prices are compromised by convention so um but yeah definitely i mean any any price source that we can take that's obviously a creditable price source is always looked at and factored in by the um by the trading team let's move on to the pay leg of the win early pick five we've got sixteen thousand dollar claimers going five and a half on the turf Field of 10, that's really a field of nine, hopefully, with the main track only in there as well. Nick, we ask you the key question, how are we going to get paid? You know, tricky race because Chief Raider on the outside, it looks like the main speed coming back off a long layoff for Kate Damasi. I mean, this is a guy who got really good in his two turf starts, considering how he had run in his two prior starts on the dirt. And the question really will be how how ready he is off the layoff, because if he's ready, he's got an aggressive jockey going a trip where – he is going to need to be hard ridden right out of the gate. The five and a half comes with that dog leg down the uh, the chute going into the backstretch. So he'll have to be used pretty hard. I liked Mach one a couple of times when he ran on the turf at Belmont. And I wonder the second time around, that was a particularly boggy course back in mid-May. If he just didn't pick it up at all. The fact that Bonnie Lucas is going back to the turf. So provided this horse ends up starting and isn't one that's just entered maybe in hopes of it coming off the turf. I thought that was a little interesting. This is a horse with actually a really big pedigree for the turf on the dam side and had run some good races for prior barns before getting into Bonnie Lucas's care. So I'd be a little intrigued by Mach 1. I would definitely use Chief Reader as well. And it looks like the horse in form right now is Jamma Dillon, who you'd want to include and, and probably go you know three deep with main horses in here, the uh, 2, 8, and 9. And I could see you wanting to use a couple of backups as well. There are horses in here whose best races would certainly make them competitive. It's a pretty fun way to, to close out the sequence. Anybody you wanted to name check as far as live backups at a price? 
Um, I think the one I would I would definitely say is the five Maroki. It looks like Mike Dini's barn is well. He it almost has to get going at some point. This is a guy who's previously been a you know twelve or fifteen percent trainer, and he's one for forty five at the moment. So I think his barn is definitely going to heat up in the maybe the second half of this meet. And you get a first time gelding there as well with the number five Maroki Dallas from a price point of view. How did you see it? Well, Maroki would be nice to wrap it up with Nick. That's uh, sixteen to sixteen dollars or fifteen to one. So that'd be a nice way to. End the pick five, but yeah, look, uh, one of those races that's high, wide, and handsome, Peter. Pretty much, you know, take your pick. Jama Dillon's currently five to two favorite, but he could easily be three to one. Uh, Caribbean Gold's three to one, four dollars ahead of Mark One, five to one, six dollars. Oh, sorry, Chief Raider down the bottom is four to one, five, uh, four to one or five dollars. So, you know, pretty, pretty. Uh, not really much to say from a betting point of view, and uh, you know, there's outside of the the shorter ones, there's probably a little bit of value there to be found, and um, the market. I'd expect this market to move around a little bit. So um, for people who can watch either on the uh, MonmouthBets.com to see how the market goes, can get ready for it, or or are on course, I would expect this market to bounce around a little bit. Let's talk about that high, wide, and handsome phrase because I ca- yeah. I called you on it when it came up the first time, and you, you <laughs> frankly, Dallas, you choked. But yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I know what it means, but I don't want to know what it really means. But yeah. then you came up with it 15 minutes later and texted me, but we never did share that with the audience. Yeah, well, okay. high, so like, so high is that the the favourites price is generally a higher price. Wide, so it's uh, you know there's lots of lots of horses in the mix, and handsome because then that becomes an attractive betting race because there's lots of uh, lots of it looks good from a betting point of view that you're not uh, steaming into a short price favourite. Fantastic. I mean, basically the USA equivalent, Nick, I'm sure you've heard this one around the track, a good betting race, you'd, you'd hear people say, yeah, yeah. when yeah. under very yeah. similar circumstances. The idea being, whoever you like, you're getting, you know, a working man's price, basically. No question about it. And I think given my physique, I'm going to go with this high, wide, and handsome to describe <laughs> me. <right? laughs> we could call it the Nick Tomorrow race. Then, there you go, yeah. right. There you go, bang. Wide. Yeah. <laughs> Before I let you guys get out of here, we do have a stakes race later in the card. I always like to pause on those as well. Uh, the Jersey Girl. We've got uh, three and up. You guessed it for uh, for Phillies and Mares. Jersey Breds going a mile on the turf. Field of eight. Dallas, uh, this one on the morning line, has a pretty significant favorite in Bramble Bay. Is that the direction you went? And how short did you go? Seven to five on the morning line. No, no, actually totally not uh, to be truthful pete i'm listing as the favorite at three dollars fifty or five to two ahead of rose elba at seven to two or four dollars forty in the decimal language bramble bay is four to one five dollars decimal and next pick is number one pastino's idol at nine to two or five dollars fifty let's get your thoughts on this one nick obviously not connected to the pick five we were just talking about but still a race that's going to command plenty of attention yeah, I thought I'm listening was really dangerous horse here, uh, given the recent form and the fact that that this one can be somewhat forward. I, I thought the morning line on Bramble Bay was a little short as well. Of course, her turf form is pretty, pretty robust. Um, yeah, this is a good wide open race. I thought Kitten's collusion was a little interesting for Graham Motion getting back to the turf. And it's kind of funny thinking about where these horses fit in terms of class uh, levels when they're not facing Jersey breads. And I think this one uh, who at least faced some, some pretty decent competition, including my Philly twirl who came back to win a, a stakes race at uh, Gulfstream back in that February tilt. I think her running lines might be a little bit better than they look. So I'd be willing to, uh, to give her a try at a price. 
I hate to do this to you, but I, I just had a, a slight uh, interruption. Perrin wanted to show me her new doll. So we've gotten that accomplished, but it kept me from taking my notes, Nick, on your picks for, for race number nine. If you just sum them up for me. Just number that, is, that is not a problem at all. Perrin's doll is far more important than my opinion on the Jersey girl. Um, but I would say six, six, seven, eight. <laughs> I didn't have, didn't have a price on that happening, Pete. So, it's all right. <laughs> guys, this was so much fun. Really appreciate you coming on here. We're going to do it again, and we're going to obviously have special coverage coming up for the big Haskell Day card. Uh, we encourage people to get your get your hospitality sorted. Now, betmakers have anything special planned on the day that the public needs to know about? What's what's yeah. going on as far as Look, that? Goes? I mean, we're hope, still hopeful of launching our app on the day. It's uh, going to be pretty tight. Um, it's uh, you know, there's a there's a pro to go through with it but uh, monmouthbets.com hopefully it'll be launched and if it is the case we'll be giving away a lot of free money simple as that but uh, regardless of that you know there'll be a lot of promotions around fixed odds betting and you know generally you know it's Haskell day it's a great day's racing um, and you know I'm, I'm sure everybody there will have a have a good time um, and obviously fingers crossed with the weather because uh, what I've got to learn over the last couple of years is that you need your fingers crossed with Jersey Shore weather so <laughs> so hopefully if that all goes well it'll be a great Great day, great Haskell. And um, again, the Betmakers Bonanza is up and running as well too. So any horse that can win the Haskell, go on to win the Travers and then go on to win the Breeders' Cup, there's an extra million dollars there for you as well too. So hopefully that sees a, a really nice Haskell field and it's usually a very exciting race. So uh, looking forward to the day. Great stuff. All right, gentlemen, we'll see you next week. Sounds great, Pete. Thanks. Next up on the show, we bring in our expert on all things Woodbine. He is also our business manager. He is Drew Coney. Drew, what's going on, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready for the weekend. Uh, I think I'm taking uh, my little guy out golfing, uh, one and a half year old, hitting, hitting the course <laughs> for the first time. So, Fun. Uh, yeah, it won't, it won't be an open style course uh, for sure. So we'll, we'll have some fun walking out there, but I'm good. How about you? Things are excellent. I, I was enjoying your uh, grilling exploits from uh, from up there. We we had some of our own yesterday. Perfect, perfect day at the lake yesterday. It's a little like steamy and looks a little buggy out there today. But uh, it was a perfect day to be going back and forth to the smoker. I ended up rocking out that brisket and we murdered it. We ate the whole thing. I think Perrin asked for fourths. It was it was very pleasing. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, and you motivated me to put my barbecue scraps to the test and make those uh sweet potato burritos if anyone doesn't know on twitter we were going back and forth sweet potato burritos with some wilted spinach some cheese and like a bean onion garlic mixture over cast iron with the the any any barbecue you have left over throw it in and then wrap it up and put it in a burrito it's great you're making me much too hungry for for this time of uh, this time of day given I, I still have to record like the close of the show and all the ads and now all i want to do is eat but that's okay we'll we'll dive into these woodbine races and and rock it out proper fantastic yeah i can make you hungry and feel old all at the same time their next door neighbors 21 year old kids are out there playing beer die at 11 a.m and i just hear the 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 ticks and the oh and i'm like and here we are working, working away. If you call this work, I suppose you're right. The Thank next you. bit of work on the day is to go over this Saturday Woodbine late pick four. It kicks off with the featured race of the day. We've got stakes action for the three-year-old Phillies in the Alley Wow six and a half on the turf. Drew, how do you want to start off this sequence? Yeah, I don't see anything real speed in here so i'm kind of looking for a presser uh, and, and i'm gonna go with the number five gal in a rush um has the best back company i think we'll be in touch with the field late and unleash uh, a turn of foot 
I think the six and a half furlong distance is going to play well to those who can quicken um, and not so much just the loose on the lead speed types, but I'll use two backups. The number three majestic Dioro is just the wild card gets back on Lasix and who knows what could happen after earning somewhat of a respectable figure on that five and a half furlong distance at Churchill's. And then the other one I'll be using is uh, as a backup is the number two Lemieux. Um, could get loose and first time Lasix, Emma Jane Wilson gets aboard and decent back class. So five uh, as an A and the three, two as my backups here. That's how I'm seeing it. I thought there was plenty of pace in this race and that's why I like gallon of rush. I, I think it's going to set up nicely. And I always like to see a horse going from an unfavorable situation in her case, trying to close into blue time form us fractions. Now, second off the layoff, with you mentioned the two as a potential speed, four, eight, and ten, and nine time form US has ahead of that one. So I'm hoping it sets up perfectly, and hopefully we can win together with Gallon a Rush, who I do think looks like the best closer at a distance that will often play nicely for a closer that's six and a half on the turf with the long woodbine stretch. So let's see if we can't get things going a winner with uh, the five gal in a rush, which will tee us up for the second race in the sequence where we've got a five furlong contest on the synthetic three and up allowance runners, seven going postward. And there were just too many angles on the seven old blondie for me to ignore. I really like the fact that this one has some rock solid synth form. I did not mind the last run because I felt like she is a big flow upgrade coming out of that, given that she was attacking what was a fast pace throughout before just going down late. Now cutting back from five and a half to five. I also like that. And just looking at the trip, I'm expecting her to get, I think it's going to be a nice stalking outside pouncing when ready. Um, not going to probably be the, the, the favorite or the second choice in here, but I still have strong preference for old Blondie in race number eight. What do you like? Yeah, I'm a survive and move on type of race, but I, I do like a horse in here. Uh, and I think number two, Mrs. Dell at 20 to one is a fantastic value. The competition in here is so tough to sort through. So why not pick a horse that is taking a nice drop in class, has some early zip and could fire when maybe some of the others don't because a lot of these feel like in and out types. Um, so I'm going to be using the number two, Mrs. Dell at 20 to one. And the, I'll also use the top three at the market. I'll use as an A, the number three, Ishiaya, uh, dropping class out of the list at stakes. A bit of an in and out form, but um, could press and get to the get to the lead pretty easily. And then the six and the seven, as you said, the six for Dejo, getting good at the right time here. I, I wish this horse had some higher figures or better figures at the class level, but we'll take what we get. And the number seven, Old Blondie, for all the things you'd said. So two and three is A's some backups with the six and seven in what we hope to be bombs away in a five furlong event. I mean, it's an interesting case on a, on a 20 to one shot third off the layoff, certainly something else for your number two runner in race number eight. Let's talk race number nine, three and up Phillies and mares, $15,000 claimers going a mile on the turf. Drew, we'll keep this one with you. Yeah, I'm all over the place here uh, in terms of craziness. We're going to go with the number three, Bosa Lena at 20 to one, go back and watch yeah. Go back and watch that race. And, and did I pronounce that right? Bosalina? I think so. Yeah, that's what I would have said. Or Bosalina, but, you know, close enough for rock and roll. Yeah, so 20 to 1. Go back and watch that race. This one did with a Wildest Treasure and Pipestone. 
I, I think the form is hor- horrendous recently, but when the top two at the market are like f- combined four for 36 or something along those lines, I think sometimes it pays to get creative. Uh, last race was outmatched two back 10 to that hot pace and full at the eighth pole after being checked the one with a wildest treasure and pipestone. And I think getting back to the one turn where the stalker can make that better, wider sweeping move might let this one hit the board or even win. I, I don't think this is the most likely winner. So I'm not trying to stand up for that argument, but I don't think this is impossible to win. And I imagine we'll get 30 to one. If some of these other horses don't fire and this one's able to stalk and get a decent trip. So the number three, Bosalina for us. And then uh, there's two other A's I want. The number five, Twisted Path, continues to improve, upward type. And the number two, a Wildest Treasure. I think Glassed Out uh, was pushed the widest the entire way and didn't have anything left. And and I'll, I'll be against the number six, Pipestone, uh, that race, pretty much the same race as a Wildest Treasure, just had the easier trip and the easier fraction. So uh, I, I'm going with the number three, the five, and the two, all as A's. And I will be fading that Pipestone, who I think will be the morning line favorite uh, come come Saturday. I was giving Pipestone a little, we saw it a little differently. I was giving Pipestone a little extra credit for attacking the, the fastest, uh, well, maybe not the fastest, but attacking into the middle part of that race that was still fast. And I think she's just going to get a really good trip in here. But I don't trust her. You know, to your point, I don't fully trust her. I still wanted to use four numbers. Uh, um, and the way I had them graded out, I also had the two, a Wilder's treasure as an A, who who I think did move also prematurely the last day and I think could do better with a more measured run. And I always like a horse um, that I that I think is going to get a, a really nice trip, just probably in behind those those speeds, and and maybe if she can make her run a little bit more measured, has yeah. every chance to win. Bosalina, I agree, very very interesting horse, just not really, you know, the the, the recent form is not uh, is not pretty, but I mean you're dealing with um, we're dealing with an important drop in class, I think, going from the starter allowance and even that twenty five thousand dollar claimer. Um, where I thought she too had an excuse with, an, with a bit of an inefficient move. I think it's tough sometimes at Woodbine with the longer stretch. I think a lot of riders will get a little too aggressive thinking of shorter stretch situation with, with a bit more of a measured run. I, I don't see any reason why Bosalina can't hit the board at uh, what I think the price will be 12 or 15 if we don't get the full 20. And then one other dimension I thought was number seven under the eye. Another one who I just feel like could get a really good trip, maybe a little bit interesting too, off some competitive races and now off a little bit of a barn switch, getting back onto the turf. There's just enough there that I wanted to, I wanted to back up. I'll take another look at the, at the others you mentioned, but six, two on the A line, three, seven on the B line for me in race number nine. Let's talk about this nightcap. $15,000 claimers, Phillies and mares, seven and a half going on the inner turf this time around. Drew, how are we going to get paid? Yeah, I'm going to ramble through a few horses, but my top choice will be the number four, uh, Fractales. Second off, I think had the worst of the trip last out and made a bit of a decent middle move. Uh, also, the number 10, My Last Dream, Speed, Lasix, and, and with the inner turf, Sometimes speed is really deadly because it's hard to make those wind up moves to close into. So the number 10, my last dream. And I'll also use the number six skinny dipping three to one drop in class presser. will have the first run and jump on them as they tip for home. And then I will use as a backup, the number five Nadia business, uh, which is going to be a fun one for Geller to say um, third off and maybe a bit more fit now, but 
I'm not fully sold. I will be using as a backup. Maybe if it gets the dream trip with the five draw, we'll have it good. And and I am fully against the number two suspicious mind. I think had the absolute best out of it uh, when, when this runner faced a few in here as well. And I'm not going to take favoritism on a horse that, yeah, has earned some decent buyer figures, but just continues to blow it and not be able to take advantage of what the proper trips had presented. So to repeat those numbers, four, ten, six as A's and a five as a backup in this nightcap. We're super, super similar. Same first two numbers. And these aren't, you know, heavy favorites. We're looking at a, a nine to two and a 20 to one shot that we both came up with as as A's in here. I'm with you on being against suspicious minds, even though I'm a big, uh, big fan of Elvis. I, th- this one's going to have to uh, win, win without me at the price that I think she's likely to be. Don't have a whole lot to add in terms of your cases for those runners. Um, you know, the 10 has the speed angle. Uh, on the inner, which I like, and the cutback. So, you know, very appealing there, potentially for my last dream at a, at a big price. And then the four fractales, trip last time, dropping, second off the layoff, just lots of angles for fractales and one that I definitely want to be uh, cashing if uh, if we can get the, that one in. And hopefully we get, you know, we get this little 10-4-4-10 exacta uh, in the Woodbine nightcap. It'll be Julio get the stretch time, Drew. <laughs> yeah, I, I would absolutely love this if we could get it uh, for 10. And, and I will ask the question to you, um, where's the strong opinion lie in the day? And I think for me, it is the number four fractales. Be cautious, though. I think the fair value for this one sits at five to two. I'm seeing some buzz with the pundits saying fractales will be the top choice. So if this horse does dip below um, and sometimes there's volatility in get out races. I don't know if you've noticed this at Woodbine. Uh, sometimes people will hammer the get out race, just trying to, for whatever reason, and, and you end up seeing some pretty short prices. So money flies four, around there too. It, it's it's you know you it's it's nice to be locked in. Um, yeah, yeah, I would. You can be. You got to be a little bit careful and look for look for the signs, and you'll see some. You you see a lot of discrepancies. So I'll do Woodbine a lot too internationally, and it's amazing to me how different sometimes the fixed odds are on Woodbine than the, yeah. than, than what happens on the, on the tote. And they'll often converge, you know, some way, but that's another little piece of advice. If you want to go that extra mile when you're playing Woodbine, take a look at odds checker and look at what the real time fixed odds are doing. And you might mm-hmm. get an idea of where some of those moves are coming from as well as looking at the will pace. I think that's a, that's a good point. And you, you, you do see, you do see a lot of volatility. So I mean, in this race, like Frank Daddy is enough of a enough of a, a pick for me that I'm okay. Um, uh, Fractale, I said Frank Daddy. Fractales is enough of a strong opinion that I'm sort of okay, like taking the price in the last race as long as it's nothing like insane. But uh, you're right to want to pay attention to that. As far as my strongest opinion, these races we discussed, I really like that horse in in the first. Race we mm-hmm. talked about, race number seven, Gal in a Rush. I feel like there's a lot of arrows pointing in this direction, going from the negative pace situation to what I think will be a positive one, second off the layoff, getting back on turf. If you made me plant a flag, I think that's where I'd do it, Gal in a Rush. Yeah, perfect. And, and let's get the bookends done with the logicals and make some long shots in between. And to your point on odds checker and odds drifting all over the place and making these preemptive declarations right now, bound for nowhere last week, ended up almost six to one on the toe. Mm-hmm. So that was an easy win bet for us to make at that point, even though we said, look, we're not betting bound for nowhere, but if it does drift up, 
it's great value at that point. So yeah. that was, a, that was a that. crazy. You said that so you can claim it. That's, that's fair. You, you did, you did make a note about the, uh, the, that I believe, I think that was, I hope that was on air, but yeah, it was. It, was, it was surprising. Very surprising when you have a horse with that kind of class, legit um, grade one animal. And yeah, I think we were, when we were making our sort of negative case, we were expecting two to one. And then, you know, that's, that's the thing with, with horse racing. It makes some people crazy. It's like, well, it's your pick, but no, you know, you have to, you have to be looking at the prices at the end of the day, because you're really betting on prices, not horses or teams when it comes to this whole gambling thing. Um, And, you know, I try not to take that equiv I try not to equivocate like that too much because you know it's our job to give picks especially on TV on the podcast it's more sophisticated audience I can do a little bit of that but on, on TV sometimes you know I, I will try to make that point more subtly but you know you don't want to look wishy-washy that's it's so it's hard <laughs> no absolutely I still stand by my picks here uh just trying to educate as we can good stuff Drew that's gonna do it for today's show want to thank today's guests for uh, sharing their time and insights with us on a really fun Saturday of racing. People think of it as the calm before the storm, but this year, some pretty strong action on the Saturday before Saratoga gets rocking and rolling. We really appreciate that. We appreciate all of you, the listeners, most of all. I'm changing the order in which I do this to to just give that shout out because it's been really gratifying, all the positive response we've gotten for that Saratoga Lifestyle Show. If you haven't gotten to check that out, I recommend Go back and do it. Let me know what we left out. That same question I asked Matt. That's always fun to get people's opinions. We'll be doing a Del Mar lifestyle show early next week with Michelle and Billy. That's going to be a ton of fun. Really looking forward to that one as well. Uh, But yeah, the feedback, the interaction with uh, the listeners, that's what makes the show so much fun to do. I say that because it's, it's true. As I always tell you, best way to keep in touch with all of our content is to subscribe to our free newsletter in the moneypodcast.com slash email is where you do that. If you want to support us even more, get more content, we've got in the money plus in the moneypodcast.com slash plus for that one. Digests of the picks, extra shows, etc. If you want to support us but uh, don't have the budget, we get that. You got to save that money to you know put in the pick five, etc. Um, in that case, you can still really help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Another important thank you goes to our founding partners. Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, trfinc.org slash players to see what we've got going on with them, including a whole bunch of fun events at Saratoga. Go to trfinc.org and check out their full calendar events. You can probably figure out the ones I'm involved with. We'll be talking about them more. 10 Strike Racing, really looking forward to getting a chance to hang out with the team Purple and Black for so much of this Saratoga meet. Another thank you to producer Craig doing a great job pushing all the right buttons. This show's been a production of In the Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kitchen. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos.